Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. All right, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25, and today we're going to talk about Thanksgiving nonetheless. We are in our third of three in a series of messages that we've simply entitled Thankful. And uh, today I want to share with you a word that I am thankful for what's in my hand. I'm thankful for what the Lord has permitted into my life, the blessings, the, the things that I can hold the tangible things that he has granted me. So, you know, it seems like so oftentimes that our thoughts on the matter of Thanksgiving are reserved for a day or perhaps a week of reflection or maybe a special Sunday's emphasis or a few family gatherings. And, you know, I've often thought that when it, as it pertains to the blessings of God, the fulfilled promises, the tender mercies, the loving kindness, the grace, the providence, that God deserves so much more emphasis than just a designated day on our calendar. Come on, somebody. I, I believe that such a subject as Thanksgiving should demand more emphasis in our biblical studies than just a passing glance because it's, quote, that time of the year. The, the time when we make what is for the most part a very feeble attempt at being thankful for the blessings that uh, we've been blessed with. Let's face it, in our, in our society today, Thanksgiving has uh, a, a little bit to do with thankfulness and a lot to do with what we're going to get. It has a little bit to do with what we're thankful for and a lot to do with what we're about to get, right? We're, we're, we're going to get some big meals. Come on, somebody. Ha. We're going to get an extra day off. We're going to get some time with the family. And, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. We're going to get a big discount at the Black Friday sale. We're going to rush out and get some more stuff that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't like, right? Can I tell you in all honesty to say that true thanksgiving is, first of all, not just a day on the calendar, but it's a life to be lived, the life of gratitude. It's not about getting for ourselves. Thanksgiving is, has nothing to do with getting, but thanksgiving has everything to do with giving. It's thanksgiving. It's bestowing unto the Lord the gratitude, the praise, the glory, the honor that's due him because of the great things that he has done. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, I want to talk to you about the benefit of Thanksgiving because I believe there are powerful benefits to being a thankful person. I believe that if we spent half as much time being thankful for the things that we have been given as we do worrying about the things that we don't have yet, then life, life for most of us would change dramatically. There's a lot of people uh, that, that this would make a huge, huge difference. I could make a list of things that would be different 
if we were truly thankful people. If we were truly thankful people, there's a lot of us that our bank accounts would look different. They wouldn't be quite as depleted. They wouldn't be quite as dry. The balances wouldn't be quite as low because, again, we wouldn't be spending money that we don't have for things we don't need to impress people. Yeah, okay, you got that. Okay. There, there are a sad multitude in our nation whose families and marriages would be very different if they were just thankful for what they had and what they'd been blessed with. Life at home would look a lot different. Can I tell you today that a lack of thanksgiving will bind you, it will blind you, it will break you, it will confuse you and cause you to have a skewed vision of what life really means and what really matters in this life. It will cause you to be a poor steward of the things that you have been given. But in contrast, the heart that is thankful is a heart that is satisfied, it is content before the Lord, it is at peace. And today I want to share with you the story of a man who endured many things in this life, some good and some bad, but even though he endured many things in this life, the blessings of God were evident in his life, even at times when he was very undeserving. How many of you can look back over your life and see times when the Lord has blessed you, but you've been very undeserving? I'll raise both hands. Let me go first. Amen? Genesis 25 tells uh, the story of the birth of this man. His name was Jacob. And uh, he was born one of a set of twins. And these two men, we learn as they grow, they're very diverse in their personalities, their physical nature, and their skill sets. And what would happen over the next couple of chapters would basically be the making of a Hollywood production. I'm telling you, you know, sometimes when you read the Bible, you know, you just, you're reading through and you just have to stop and say, you can't make this stuff up, Right? If you want your faith strengthened today, understand, just read some of the Old Testament. You're like, you just can't make this stuff up, right? It's for real. So there, there's, but the, there's all kinds of plotting and, and scheming and stuff going on. I mean, you read the story of this man from the time he's born and through his early years of life, you're going to read about family favoritism. Uh, Papa loved his brother more, but his mama loved him more. You read about the plotting and deceit, how that this man Jacob steals his brother's birthright and then he and his mother conspire together against his brother Esau and take advantage of Isaac's failing senses and steal the patriarchal blessing from Esau. There's revenge as Esau then vows to kill Jacob. And then finally Jacob, at the instruction of his mother, has to flee to a foreign land to escape the wrath of his brother. And then you read this story for yourself. But what happens over the next 14 years goes something like this. Jacob is dispatched by his mother to go to a foreign land where some of her relatives live. And upon his arrival there, he comes upon this young woman named Rachel who happens to be from the same family that he's looking for. And Jacob falls in love with this young woman and he pledges to serve her father for seven years to be able to have her hand in marriage. And they both agreed to this arrangement. And when the day of the wedding finally comes, Jacob then gets a taste of his own tricky medicine. And his uncle Laban pulls the old switcheroo. And Jacob has not married his sweetheart Rachel, but he's actually married her older sister Leah. 
Now, let me just point out something to you here. Genesis 29, we've skipped way ahead here. Let me just point out something here to you that will be a key part of this man's testimony moving forward. And, and maybe it's a lesson for us in thanksgiving. And that is this. You don't always get what you want. You don't always get what you want. But we still got to be thankful for what we have. Now, I find an interesting commentary, and this is a little bit of a side note, but I want to encourage some people here this morning, okay? <laughs> you don't always get what you want in this life because here's the contrast between Leah and Rachel. We find it in verse 17 of chapter 29, and it says, give me that verse, guys. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Just for everybody who's upset over the comment that somebody else made on your Facebook profile this week, take heart because this is what's written about this girl in the Bible. Okay? The contrast is that her sister had a lovely figure and was beautiful, but she had weak eyes. Do you feel better? Come on. Come on, don't you feel better? All right. So, so Jacob, Jacob has to serve his father-in-law another seven years to gain Rachel's hand in marriage. For 14 years, Jacob faithfully serves this man who continually cheats him and changes his wages. And the day finally comes for Jacob to return to his homeland and he packs up his wives and his children and he heads, he heads that way and he's harassed by his father-in-law. He tries to stop him, he tries to hinder him. And I don't know how you measure things in your life, but when I read this story and understand we've gone like lightning speed through 14 years of life here, but it's been up, it's been down. The wages have changed several times. The, the parameters, the structure of the contract has been altered and, and renegotiated many times at this point. And life for Jacob hadn't been fair, and he hasn't always got what he wanted. And I don't know how you measure life right now, but for me, when I'm reading over this and 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 I'm looking at all the different things that have happened here and these moments, moment by moment as we take this, we're taking a snapshot here. But if you're living this in real time, moment by moment with the frustration and everything, I've got to tell you that my synopsis of the last 14 years of Jacob's life is that it's been a pretty rotten time. There's not one of us in this room today that you could say, hey, I want to go to work for somebody. I want them to have them change my wages every couple of months or every so often and just cheat me and try to manipulate me and try to work things around. I, I don't want to think I'm marrying one person but wake up the next day surprised that I've married somebody else and have to work a whole nother seven years. I don't think any of that's fair. I don't think that's right. And it's hard for us sometimes to put the Old Testament context into the modern day life. But I'm telling you, this guy was cheated. He was maligned. He was, he was done wrong in every sense of the word. 
and it's been a pretty rotten 14 years here, but here he is heading home. His father-in-law's harassing him. He's not sure when he arrives if his brother's going to kill him or not. And somewhere along the way, having gone through 14 years of trouble and carrying a load of worry, at that very moment, Jacob stops and says these words, and we find them in chapter 32, verses 9 and 10. And he says, Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. The basis of what Jacob's saying here is, Lord, even in the heartache and the pain, I realize that you've been at work in my life. God, I know that most of this I brought upon myself, but nevertheless, you have been faithful to me. You have blessed me, and I didn't deserve any of it. Oh, when Jacob comes back, When he leaves his father-in-law's house, he is a very, very wealthy man. You've got to understand that. We measure measure our wealth in dollars and cents. They measured theirs in horns and hoofs. And when he comes back through, he's got a lot of kids. He's got wives. He's got livestock galore. And he's a very wealthy man. And he he says, God, it's been a rough 14 years. But you've been blessing There's some of you this morning when I said to you that you don't always get what you want, that statement really resonated with you. You almost shouted. I mean, you were like, finally, somebody understands, somebody gets it. Somebody knows what I'm going through. Yeah, I understand that. Life's not always pushing up daisies our way, and it's not always sunshine and rainbows, but you got to understand, God is good. God is good, and his mercy endures forever. You've got better than you deserve right now. Whatever you're going through, good time, bad time in between, you've got better than you deserve right now. And Jacob understood that. He knew that. He pauses. He says, God, you're the one that called me back home, and I had nothing but my staff in my hand when I came. I don't deserve any of this, but here I am, two camps. You've blessed me. I want to tell you today, this singular thought concerning thanksgiving. And that is that as we think about being thankful people today, that there are enemies to the thought. There are enemies to the practice of thanksgiving. And chief among the foes of thankfulness is the idea that somehow or another I deserve the blessings that God has poured out into my life. Because if I begin to think for one second that I deserve what God has done for me, at that moment, I'm going to cease to be a thankful person. At that moment, I'm going to cease to be grateful. I'm going to cease to be gracious. 
See, I've, I've, tried to, I've tried to shy away from the term because there are probably a few of us that would actually be willing to label ourselves as such, yet many of us in some degree deal with it, and that is the term of entitlement. You and I, we struggle hard against entitlement. We may not recognize it, we may not be willing to confess it, but entitlement is a constant adversary in our lives towards the attitude of gratitude. We feel like somehow or another we've arrived, that we have earned, that we deserve. You see, entitlement is the thing within us that says, I have because I'm do it. I've got this because I should have. There's a, there's a sense, the sense of entitlement usually manifests itself in a couple of different ways. We, we see those around us that see themselves as victims of circumstance, you know? There are a lot of those in our world today who carry with them a sense of entitlement that, that causes many of us to cringe. It's a sense of entitlement that's given birth to a kind of laziness that says, I'll just sit here and you'll take care of me because I'm entitled and you're going to provide. There are people who feel entitled to certain care and certain provisions just because, and usually because they see themselves as victims of some circumstance, therefore they're entitled. We call them lazy. We call them freeloaders. We find it hard, even unjust, to have to help them when there's no willingness on their part to help themselves. And I'm sure if we pass the microphone around this morning, we could all fire up and we could get talking on that conversation for a long time. But there's a flip side to that coin of entitlement. And that's what a lot of us deal with, and that is there are those who see themselves as deserving because of their own efforts. Perhaps a little less recognizable and certainly more justified in the minds of the public is that person who feels that they've earned it. These are the people who feel as if every good thing they enjoy in life is the fruit of their own doing. I once heard an evangelist stand up and tell people. He talked for 30 minutes about how much he fasted and how much he prayed. Now, remind you, the Word says that if you do your prayer and fasting to be seen of men, then you have your reward. But he talked about how much he prayed and how much he fasted, what a good steward he was and how well he invested. And then he followed up all of that by saying, and if you did what I did, you'd have what I have. I said, hit the brake, brother. Slow the roll. You see, don't get me wrong. We can make good choices in life that will lead us to good places. And your poor choices will lead you to poor, poor places. But the truth is, we have to have some favor along the way to get to where we want to be. I've probably shown you the illustration before, so I left it out of this message. You know, if you're ever passing along, you see a turtle on a fence post. You can be sure of one thing. He didn't get there by himself. Somebody helped him. 
Somebody lifted him up and put him there. <laughs> if, if you're doing better than you deserve today, then understand, you didn't get there by yourself. Somebody lifted you up out of the miry clay, turned your life around, set your feet on a rock and established you. Amen? You had some help. You see, I'm a, I'm a proponent of hard work. Amen, Pastor Jason? <laughs> I'm a proponent of hard work, and I believe that it should be rewarded. And the Bible says of a man who will not work that he shouldn't eat. But we've got to remember what the Bible says about the matter in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. It says this, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Did you know that there are some people right now who have done who have made some of the same choices that you've made, who've taken some of the same actions that you've taken, but due to circumstances beyond their control, they don't enjoy the things that you enjoy. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Are you blessed? See, I, I pastored the greatest church in North Carolina. Oh, man, I thought I'd got better than that. So I, I pastored the greatest church in North Carolina. And I know that there are people that have studied harder, that have prayed more, that have worked more diligently. But God has chosen us to pastor this great church. I realize that. And I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for this body. I'm thankful for this great church. And we love you. Amen? I realize today that, that there are those that, that do the exact same things that I've done. But due to circumstances and things that are just out of their control, they don't have what I have. I'm blessed. You're blessed. There are people every day that are doing the exact same thing that you're doing, but they're banging their head against a wall over and over, and they can't figure out why things aren't working for them the way they're working for you. Do you know you're the object of somebody else's envy? I promise you. I promise you. I remember one time I was a young man. There was nothing, growing up in eastern North Carolina, there was nothing quite as important to a young man as, well, the shine of his four-wheel drive pickup. I remember, I remember one day I spent all morning long, I, I washed and waxed and scrubbed the wheels and the rims, and man, it just, you needed your shades just to look at it, you know? I pulled over to the store where the fellas were hanging out. I got out, asked one of the guys, I said, how's it going? He said, man, if I had your hand, I'd turn mine in. Can I tell you, somebody's looking at your life right now, the blessing that God is pouring on you, and they're just thinking to themselves, if I had your hand, I'd turn mine in. And it's not you. It's what God has done in your life. It's his blessing that he's poured out on you. You know, there's a sense of entitlement even among some people of faith. 
that says if, if they only had done what I've done, then they would enjoy what I've done. But you don't know that. God causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. I don't care what you've done to be so spiritually superior to those around you. If it weren't for the grace of our God over our lives, we'd be no better than anyone else. I'm often struck with this thought as I study the Bible that it was not without reason that many of the things are addressed therein. And it's true that God blesses obedience, but there are a lot of people who've been obedient to the call and it costs them martyrdom. The summary statement of, of the entitled people is that people who feel a sense of entitlement are generally unthankful people. And unthankful people are generally bitter, unhappy. Let me tell you something. If you woke up this morning and you weren't happy, Suck it. No, I'm just, I was just going to say, suck it up. No, but I'm going to give you some real practical advice here. If you woke up this morning and you weren't happy, go home and count the ways that God has blessed you. Look at the manifest blessing of God in your life. And you can get real happy real quick. Because unthankful people are generally unhappy. Unthankful people are negative. I don't like negative people. Some days I don't like myself. When I get up and, and, you know, it's all gloom and doom, I'm just like, Steve, you've got to get this together, boy. Get yourself together. You quit talking like that right now. Right now. Absolutely. Unthankful people are negative people. Unthankful people are pessimistic people. If you can't recognize the blessing of God in your life right now, you won't recognize his ability to provide for you down the road. You'll be glass half empty. But if you're a thankful person, you'll say he's done it before. He's faithful. And I know that he'll do it again. Amen? See, here's the issue. Life is too short to be any of those things. It's just a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it's gone. It is way too short to be any of those things. And if you want or need to combat any of those things in your life, I can tell you that thanksgiving to God for the blessings you enjoy is the solution to the problem. To learn, to practice thanksgiving. I am blessed. I am blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. The Word says that His mercies are new every morning. Amen. His grace follows me. People who feel entitled seldom feel blessed. And the truth of the matter is that we are all sustained by the blessing and the mercy of Almighty God. See, when we look at the life of Jacob, 
it would be easy for us to say, well, poor fella, you know, things should have turned out differently for him. And you'd be right in saying that. Things should have turned out differently for him. A lot worse, actually. And, and you may be in a space right now and saying, you know what, I, poor me. I wish things would turn out, things should turn out differently for me. Well, they should, you're right. The Word says that the wages of sin is death. And that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're right, we're not getting what we deserve. Hallelujah. I mean, we are not getting what we deserve. Because we deserve a lot worse. Whatever your bad is right now, trust me, we deserve worse. But God, who is rich in mercy, has loved us with an everlasting love. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he sent his son to die on a cross for us. That we could be called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We who were strangers and foreigners from the household of God, he has called us together and raised us up and makes us to sit together in heavenly places. I'm doing pretty good. And the good news today is that you're doing pretty good too. Amen. Come on, somebody, give God praise. You see, it would be easy for us to... For Jacob to look at the blessings of God and think that he simply got what he deserved for all that he had suffered and the heartache that he had to endure or all of the hard work that he'd invested or because of his spiritual lineage. No, here's Jacob praying again. God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac. Who's he think he is? But Jacob stands at this point in life not feeling entitled because of his sufferings. Not being entranced by his role as a victim, but recognizing the blessing of God. Saying, God, I'm not worthy of the least of your blessings. God, I, I woke up and I a warm bed this morning with a roof over my head. I left that place and I turned on the water in my house and I waited for it to get warm. Cleaned off went to a closet with more clothes than any one human being ought to own because God's been good I didn't have to walk here this morning just got in my car drove my own accord when I got to the door there wasn't any guard standing here to try to keep me out Liberty, free. None, none of you got to go this afternoon, stand on a bread line. We celebrated our veterans last week. Thank God 
thank God for his blessing. I got clothes on my back. When you leave, you're gonna have food in your stomach and a roof over your head. You're doing better than you deserve, and none of us are worthy of such blessing. I'm thankful today for what's in my hand. I'm thankful for the way God has provided for my life, both spiritually and physically. And I want to ask you today, is Thanksgiving a part of your heart? Are you thankful for what's in your hand? Are you thankful for what God has poured into your life? And I want to challenge you over the coming days just to spend some time not just thinking about things and saying thank you Jesus but cultivating a heart and a spirit and an attitude of thankfulness something that continues beyond Thursday afternoon but something that will carry on into the new year and the next year that we will be a thankful people we're not worthy of his blessings but he pours them out on us in such abundance anyway. Isn't that awesome? We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.